I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. You're also invited to visit our website, www.asburybaptist.org. In addition, you can reach more messages and more Bible teaching on gospeldynamite.org as well. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I'd invite you to take your Bible, turn with us to Revelation 21, verses 5 through 17, as we look today at our future home, heaven. We're going to examine it more in detail than we did the last session. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the angels, one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and all the gates, twelve angels, and names written thereon which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates, and on the north, three gates, and on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof. And the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height are, of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and forty-four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. In our last study, we began a survey of the place called heaven. Of course, we all know that heaven is more than just a place. Heaven is the home of Almighty God. It is the home of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the glorious land where the redeemed of the ages spend eternity. It is the place where we all long to go. Of course, if you listen to most folks talk, you'll find that we aren't as anxious to get to heaven as we sometimes claim. 
When sickness comes around, we try everything we can to stay here as long as we can, and that's fine. We call on the doctor, we call on the church to pray, we call on the Lord to help us get better, and all of this is understandable. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm looking forward to going home. But let's take a journey into our future today. Let's try to wrap our minds around what the Bible has to say about this place called heaven. First, I would point out to you Revelation 21, verses 5 through 8, the gates of the city. Now, the Lord begins a section of Scripture reminding us that he's in total control and that he's about to make everything brand new. As soon as he makes that promise, the Lord says, it is done. And with that simple statement, God pronounces an end to this world with all of its turmoil, strife, and he proclaims the beginning of a new world with all of its glory and splendor. Now, before he shares the wonders of heaven with us, the Lord first reveals the gates of that city. These are not physical gates that can be shut to keep people in or out. After all, the gates of heaven will never be shut, according to Revelation 21 and verse 25. These are the true gates of the city, for it is these gates which determine who enters and who does not. Verses 6 and 7 we see who the gates actually permit in. These gates permit those who have taken the water of life. They permit those who are overcomers. This is the clear statement that heaven is open only to those who are in a personal faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, he is the water of life. And it is our faith in him that makes us overcomers, 1 John 5 and verse 4. And those who enter heaven will enjoy a perfect inheritance, 1 Peter, 5, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And profound intimacy, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. They will experience profound intimacy with the heavenly Father. In very simple terms, the gate of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He is the door into life, proclaimed by John 10 and verse 9. To believe on him by faith is to be saved, John 14, 6. To reject him is to be cast into hell, John 8, 24. Verse 8 denotes those who the gates prohibit. Some people will not be allowed to enter that city, but they will be sent away to the lake of fire. Let's examine that list of those people who will be banned from heaven. First, we're given the fearful. Those who allowed fear of the Lord and the fear of man or the fear of man to keep them from coming to Christ. Then he says, unbelievers, those who refuse to believe the gospel, those who refuse to receive the gospel. Then he says, the abominable, those who gave themselves up to vile and wicked lifestyles, then he says murderers, those who willingly take the lives of others. 
whoremongers, those who gave themselves over to sexual perversion, sorcerers, those who practice the magical arts. In fact, the word sorcerers come from the Greek word pharmakeos. It gives us our English word pharmacy. It refers to those who create and use chemical concoctions. In other words, it speaks to those who are addicted to the use of drugs and alcohol. The Bible is as up to date as society will ever be. In fact, the world has to come up to the Bible standard. This has been in the word of God since day one. And now the world is finally catching up in the drug, drug pandemic, if you will. Idolaters, those who give themselves to the worship of false gods and false systems of belief. And then he says, oh, liars, those who do not know the truth, but they live a lie. Now, if you saw yourself in this list, I invite you to come to Christ today. He will forgive you of your sins. He will prepare you for a home in heaven. If you refuse him and reject his offer, there is absolutely nothing left for you except the flames of hell and the lake of fire forever. But then we must notice in verse, verses 9 through 21, for sake of time, we cannot read the entire chapter. But not only do we see the gates of the city, but we see the glories of the city. Having told us how to enter the city of heaven, John now shares some of the details of that place called heaven. The earth and every city and home on it requires some source of light. If it were not for the sun, the moon, and for lighting systems developed by men, this world would be nothing but a dark tomb. Heaven, on the other hand, is brilliantly lit by the glory of God himself. John described the city as being like a jasper stone. The jasper stone is what we call a diamond today. The city will be like a great diamond in appearance, as it reflects and refacts the glory of God. In fact, the world where the glory of God is on full display. The city is surrounded by a gleaming high wall, according to verse 12. There are 12 gates in this wall, each gate attended by an angel. These gates have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed on them. The wall of this great city rests on 12 foundations named after the 12 apostles in verse 14. What a city. And verses 15 through 17, an angel having a golden reed comes to measure the city. A reed was about 10 feet in length, so this measuring would have taken some time. We're told that the city is built like a square at the bottom, it is of equal lengths on all sides. We're also told that this city measures 12,000 furlongs on each side. 
and that it is tall as it is wide and long. 12,000 furlongs translates to about 1,500 miles. This city is astounding in its size. If one edge was placed on the Atlantic Ocean, the opposite end would sit near Denver, Colorado. If the north edge of the city sat on the Canadian border, the other edge would sit somewhere around Miami, Florida. That's one big town. It's even more amazing to consider that it's also 1,500 miles high. The city is surrounded by a wall that measures 144 cubits in verse 17. That is 216 feet. This could refer to the height or it could refer to the thickness of the wall. Now imagine a city where there's room for everyone, for all, where there's no ghettos, there's no streets, there's no mean streets rather, there's no wrong side of town. Imagine a city of absolute beauty, a city of sinless perfection. If you can imagine that, then that, my friend, you can imagine is your home. In verses 18 through 21, in these next few verses, John describes the materials used to construct the city. He tells us that the wall is made of a diamond, the city of May, made of a pure transparent gold in verse 18. He also tells us that the city rests on a foundation that is loaded with precious gemstones. A brief look at the details of these foundations reveals just how glorious it will be, in fact. You have the jasper stone, that's clear like a diamond. You have sapphire, that's clear blue. You have chalcedony, that's yellowish green. You have an emerald, that's deep green. Sardonyx, you have white with layers of red. Sardius, fiery red. Chrysolite, golden yellow. Barrow, uh, that's sea green. Topaz, that's greenish yellow. Chrysosperus, you have the golden green. Jacinth, you have violet. And then amethyst, you have purple. I'm certain that these stones speak of God and his character in some fashion. We can't understand all they represent today, but then we arrive, when we arrive there, we will know even as we're known in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12 as that teaches. Now, imagine, if you will, a city that gleams with the brilliance of God's glory. Imagine that pure light as it shines through the diamonds, the gold, and all the multicolored precious stones of that heavenly city. It's a glorious sight to behold, and the gates of that city are made of pearls, verse 21. The pearl, as you know, is formed out of pain. A grain of sand becomes trapped in an oyster, and that sand irritates the oyster, and the oyster begins to build up layer upon layer of calcium around that grain of sand, and after a long while, a pearl is formed. The pearl is the only gemstone made by a living organism, and the pearl is the oyster's answer to its pain. Those gates will remind us that while salvation and the heaven it provides are free, it was never cheap. Everything we have was born out of the pain of our Savior on the cross of Jesus Christ. And my friend, every time we enter that city, we will be reminded of the price he paid to redeem our souls Heaven is our Lord's answer to the pain of his cross. And even the street of heaven will be glorious to behold. We will walk about it on streets that are paved with the purest gold. And that, my, my friend, what a city. 
What a city awaits to redeem when this life is over. But I would not only show you the gates of the city, the glories of the city, but in Revelation 21, 22, and all the way to chapter 22 and verse 5, I would show you the guarantees of the city. As we move through these remaining verses, even more of the wonders of heaven are displayed for us to see. We have the guarantee of new relationships. When we arrive in heaven, our relationship with God will be forever altered. In chapter 21, verse 22, there's going to be a new interaction. Today, we worship the Lord in churches and temples constructed by the hands of men. We're not allowed to approach him because we're separated from him by this flesh and by sin. We come before God through the agency of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 2 and 5. In that day, there will be no need for temples, no need for churches, buildings, no need for mediators. We will have direct face-to-face -face access with God himself. Revelation 21 in verse 3. What a day that will be. Which constitutes a new intimacy. Revelation 22 verses 3 and 4 says we will see his face. His name will be written on our foreheads. We will serve him in the perfection of righteousness and holiness. We cannot do that today. Too many things come between us and God today. Too many things hinder our service to him. Too many things destroy our intimacy with him. None of those things will hinder us in glory. We will enjoy perfect intimacy with our Father, our Savior, and with the Holy Spirit. But then, I would say that we also have the guarantee not only of new relationships, but new realities. You see, not only is our relationship with the Lord going to be forever changed, so many of the things that we've grown used to in this world will change as well. Revelation 21, 22, and 23, and also Revelation 22 and verse 5. We've already commented on this thought, but we're reminded that heaven will be filled with the glory of God himself. The same God who stood in absolute darkness and said with great power, authority, and sovereignty, let there be light. We'll fill our home with his brilliance and glory. Chapter 21, verses 24 through 26. Those pearly gates, as beautiful as they are, will never be closed. The perfected people who live on the earth will come in and out of the new Jerusalem and bring with them the bounty produced by the new earth. Now apparently, 
after the earth is replenished and sin is defeated, humans will inhabit the earth and will live as Adam and Eve were intended to live. They will produce children and enjoy life in a perfect world. It'll be an amazing time when men, angels, glorified saints, and the Godhead come together in that city. Then, Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, we see the grandeur of the city. These verses give us a glimpse of a few of the sights of that city. And these few thoughts here reveal the grandeur of our heavenly home. Call your attention to Revelation 22 and verse 1. The river. A pure crystal river flows from God's throne. The throne is a source of life and the river that flows from it is symbolic in the kind of life it delivers. That heavenly city is a place of peace prosperity, and pleasure. This river is filled with the water of life. It is symbolic of the unending flow of everlasting life given to all those who have believed in Jesus. There's life flowing from the throne to all who will believe. Revelation 22 and verse 2, the tree of life is denoted. In the new Jerusalem, man will have access to the tree of life. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he was removed from that place to prevent him from eating of the fruit of the tree of life and thus living forever in his fallen condition. Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. In heaven, access to the tree of life will be restored. And this amazing tree will yield its precious fruit each month of the year, and it will bear 12 types of fruit throughout the year. And this reminds us that heaven will be a place of plenty. Obtaining food has always been one of man's chief occupations. In heaven, the tree of life will always bear its fruit. We're told that the leaves of the tree will be used for the healing of the nations. And this does not mean that people in that day will get sick. As, as we saw in Revelation 21 and verse 4, sickness and disease are all banished from heaven. It's noteworthy to point out that the word translated healing here gives us our word therapeutic. It literally means service rendered to another. In other words, the leaves of the trees will serve to enhance our lives in eternity. They will make life there more pleasant. But in chapter 22 and verse 3, we see something happen that's never happened at all. The curse is removed. There will be no more curse. When man sinned, the ground was cursed, and man was forced to grow his food by the sweat of his brow. 
And part of the curse also involved the presence of weeds and thorns that would make man, man's job harder. The curse brought sickness, violence, chaos, and death to the world. You want a reference for that? Read chapters 3 through 9 of Genesis. In eternity, the curse is lifted. The earth will be restored to the perfect state that it was before sin entered. There'll be no more weeds, no more thorns, no more sickness, no more violence, no more war, no more chaos, no more death in the world. Revelation 22 and verse 5, the night is banished. The darkness that haunts this world will be banished over there. There will be no more dark hours when the prince of darkness can do his wicked works and deeds. No one will need the light of a candle to keep from stumbling. There will be no darkness of any sort in that land. No darkness, either physical or spiritual, will be allowed over there. But my friend, in chapter 21 and verse 27, there is the guarantee of new righteousness. In that perfect world, there will be nothing that can defile it that will be allowed inside the gates. There will be no sin, no Satan, and no sinners. Only those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus and justified by the God of heaven will be allowed in that city. And that truth right there makes heaven worth going to. Well, my friend, I wish I could describe the place called heaven and give it the accurate description it deserves. Sadly, I do not possess the vocabulary. I do not possess the intelligence or the insight to do that. But from what I've read, from what I've read about that place, it sounds like a place I want to spend eternity. How about you? You can if you know Christ. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can come to him today, be made ready for heaven. If you don't know him, you can come to him and thank God he will accept you. He's never turned down a sinner who's been seeking forgiveness. He will forgive you of your sin, and he will make you a child of God. Some years ago, Squire Parsons wrote a song that goes like this. Somewhere beyond the grave, there is a land where Jesus went to prepare by his own hand. And for the saved by grace, there's a resting place. And in a few more days, it'll be mine. The chorus goes along like this. Some call it heaven. I call it home. Some call it dreaming. Let me dream on. Some call it paradise. Somewhere beyond the skies, some call it heaven, but I call it home. Church, I'm looking forward to going home. How about you? <laughs>